It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to Ausbiz on this Wednesday afternoon. And great to have your company. We kick off the PM Eastern always with the call at 12 midday. Great to have your company where we analyse 10 stocks that you've suggested. We put them to uh, two experts of the markets for their opinion on them and we do it all in 60 minutes. So uh, a lot ahead of us. Great selection of stocks um, today. And um, so thank you for everyone sending them in and uh, some very topical ones in there as well. Uh, let's uh, welcome our team for this Wednesday afternoon. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to see you. Good to be back, Kosh. How, how's the week been going? Yeah, look, it's only Wednesday, so it's <laughs> hump day, I suppose. So it's been a busy week as always, just looking forward to the next couple hey, of weeks. This is the last day of the month and the quarter. I thought all of you bods would <laughs> inflate the market on the, on the last day because yeah, I think you know, that's where performance figures come in. I think maybe some bigger funds than us mate, might have some influence. <laughs> There. But it's been a pretty lacklustre uh, three, four, five months really yeah. for the ASX. Um, we've really struggled to get any upward momentum. So what's another half a percent at the end of the yeah, month? Exactly the the right. Uh, Carl Kapalinga from uh, Tech Markets joins us from uh, WA, starting to get the tingle of excitement ahead of uh, West Coast being in the finals on the weekend at Optus Stadium. Carl, how are you, sir? Yeah, good, thanks, Koshi. You look, it is the big show. And um, talk about the other big show, forget Biden and Trump. We've got Wayne, Kosh and Kapalingua uh, ready for you today. Right? Yeah. So. <laughs> good. And we're all under 70. Me, only just, <laughs> just, just under compared with you guys. So, uh, yeah, it's been fascinating to, uh, to see that debate uh, where Michael and I were talking about a bit earlier. Um, Trump is just a master of one-liners and sledging. You'd, you'd love to have him on your footy team, I reckon, Michael, wouldn't you? Well, he the just one... chips away. Oh. He, he eats away like a cricketer. Just yeah, keeps yeah. nipping away with little one-liners here and there, putting people off their game. I thought the classic this week was when uh, he wanted um, metal detectors for each of the candidates before they went into the debate, accusing Biden of having an earpiece that uh, he was being fed lines and information by his team. And so the look on Biden's advisor was going, huh, huh, where did that come from? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time in history someone's used that Yeah, exactly, exactly. It is very funny. All right, uh, before we get into your stocks, of course, we look at a stock of the day that I, I chose, I choose because they're making news. And um, Santos in a trading hole uh, because the New South Wales Planning Commission has approved its $3.6 billion at Narrabri Gasfield project, the ruling from the New South Wales Independent Planning Commission, which dictates a phased development under a pretty strict condition, sits neatly with the federal government's push for a gas-led economic recovery. Um, Carl, good news for Santos, and how, how do you see its stock at the moment? Yeah, look, it is, it is good news. Um... I would say, you know, uh, widely anticipated 
by the market. I don't think it was a major surprise, but they're a long way away from um, earning any money out of it. So we're, um, you know, it's sort of the first step in, in an ongoing um, process of them scoping out what the uh, project is going to look like. It's, um, you know, there's talk of 850 wells over 20 years. So it's, again, it's not something that will start to hit the Santos bottom line very quickly. So it's very right. um, phased development. Obviously, they're being very careful around uh, environmental concerns. Um, Santos has a number of other projects it needs to fund at the moment. Obviously, um, you know, balance sheet's taken a little bit of a knock lately with uh, what's been going on with COVID and oil prices. So they'll be um, pretty careful on how they uh, proceed on this as well. The market, so it's actually, you said it's a trading hold. It has uh, literally just um, come back in the last sort of hour or so. It's trading down about 2.5%. So I don't think the market, you know, I guess, you know, if you're wondering what the impact of an announcement is, the best way to to find that out is to go and look at what the market's saying. And, you know, down 2.5% saying that um, there's probably uh, not a lot of immediate upside uh, in that announcement today. Okay. Uh, Michael, is it a classic case of uh, you buy the rumour and the speculation when the official announcement comes out, the market goes, all right, let's move on, the share price drops. I think the comments there summed it up pretty well. Um, It's been widely anticipated for some time that this would eventually get through. I mean, it's been in the works for a number of years. This didn't just happen overnight. One of the criticisms of Santos has been they haven't been investing much into capital expenditure projects. So some of their assets were getting a little bit long in the tooth. This could alleviate some of those fears and it's this sort of capex projects that they need to have in the pipeline to really start to to make the long-term outlook look a bit better for this company. Because they did a wonderful job a couple of years ago in repairing the business. This was a company that was doing it very, very tough. They had an enormous amount of debt on their balance sheet. A lot of that was in US dollars and this was at the time when the Aussie dollar was coming back from about parity. And a good Scotsman came in and turned it around. That's right. And and basically paid off its debts, really sort of got the the business going. They survived the the oil price crash going back a couple of years when oil tested that $30 mark going back then. So they've done a good job to survive. And now it's about sort of extracting the best growth profile that they possibly can. And I think this project will go some way to doing that. Although I don't think it changes everything immediately overnight. There's a long, long way to go until this contributes meaningfully to that business. Is is it on your buy list, Santos? No, look, I mean, we tend to steer clear of these energy companies because of the cyclical nature of the energy space. Um, But in terms of a turnaround story, Santos probably isn't the, the worst bet. And it's held up relatively okay, I suppose, considering the big falls that we have seen in the oil price. But it has managed to get its cost of production down. But with the oil price lingering around these levels, even they'll do it tough to break even at these prices. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Carl, have you got it on your buy list there at uh, Tech Markets? No, it's not. Uh, Look, I I love oil stocks. Uh, Being from WA, we've got some of the best over here, of course. But, um, you know, as Michael said, they're very cyclic in their nature. So it's it's something you want to you know, timing is kind of everything there, and I don't think it's uh, the time just yet. But, right. you know, always looking out for signs when that time might come, but it's probably still a ways off with uh, with what's going on with the, in energy markets at the moment. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get into your uh, stocks that you've suggested us to have a look at. And, uh, Michael, first up, uh, Josh wants a view on Telstra. Um, over the last decade, whose earnings have been under pressure over the last decade. It's always hard being the incumbent in any industry. You're going to have emerging players nipping at your feet Uh, and what that does is it starts to bring down the margins and you start to lose market share across key businesses for Telstra going forward it's going to continue to be the the mobile division or the mobiles business that really drives the profitability for that company Um, but again even in that space they're starting to lose a bit of market share too so 
From my perspective, um, I would be steering clear of Telstra. They do have some obviously very high quality infrastructure assets, which from time to time get thrown out as potentially being divestments opportunities to free yeah. up some cash for the business. But to, I just, to package up all to package the poles, up all and, the poles wires and, and wires and all that stuff. Right. Uh, whether or not that transpires is one thing. Management haven't been too keen by the sounds of it at least uh, in order to do that. So look, from my perspective, from my perspective, there's just much better alternatives in the market as well as in the telco space. Something like a chorus, which is a New Zealand based telco, something we've done very well off and continue to like. Right. That's essentially a monopoly in New Zealand when it comes to the broadband market over there. So that's something to keep an eye on. And obviously you've got the likes of TPG, um, which I yeah. wouldn't be looking at and a couple of other players as well. But Right. There was a lot of consolidation that went on in the telco industry going back a couple of years, yeah. but now it's a bit of a land grab of sorts trying to get customers over the line. And what that's doing is it's putting a lot of pressure on, on margins across a lot of the okay. different telecommunication products, whether that be internet, mobiles, or, or yeah. And Carl, when you look at that, the 12 month chart, it's below its March lows, and you look at the five year chart, and the share price is basically testing those five year lows of, around that the low 260s. Uh, Koshi, are you trying to steal my job here, uh, analyzing the chart there? Oh. <laughs> no, no, I bounce your expertise. Sort of a, a little, with me, it's a little knowledge is dangerous. So that's why you, we throw to you as the expert. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, uh, when you, you kind of mentioned the trend, and that's and that's really the core part of my uh, investing strategy, uh, especially yeah. when it comes to the technicals. And it's not just technicals. I mean, I do look at the fundamentals, and I'm looking for trends there as well. So I'm looking uh, for a trend in underlying earnings uh, to be, well, look, on the chart, you're looking for bottom left, top right. That's a great uptrend, yeah. isn't it? Um, and you kind of want to see the same thing when it comes to the fundamentals. So bottom left, top right, in terms of revenue growth, uh, underlying earnings growth and Telstra is not doing that. It's it's kind of the other way around, top left, bottom right, and therefore the chart's reflecting that. The chart is really just a reflection of what the underlying earnings are doing. So you know you you do correctly point out there it is um, heading towards the the bottom right of the screen. That's not where we want to see it. Um, having said that, sometimes we look for signs that there might be a turnaround. So we look for a, a point where we see uh, accumulation in the market, buying coming in. We're seeing. Um, some of those uh, declines uh, start to be small and start, some of the rallies start to be bigger. So when that occurs, you get these rising peaks and troughs. It's one of the oldest methods of technical analysis. We're not seeing that. So, you know, I wish I could um, say something positive about Telstra's chart at the moment. I can't. I can see short-term downtrend. I can see long-term downtrend. I can see it under threat now of breaking through 280, which is a really key support level. Um, so, you know, let's pull this back to um, the viewer's uh, question. It's Josh, and, and I guess, Josh, if you've got yep. it, uh, you've got to ask yourself, is the dividend yield worth it? You, you're getting, you know, five and a half percent fully franked per annum, but the stock could be down 10 percent over the next three to six months. Um, okay. So for me, I don't think that, you know, the risk rewards are not there. So, um, you know, it's a pass for me on that basis. OK. All right. Um, Carl, you're teaching us well with those charts. Um, you want to see a trend going left to right. Um, this next dot that will want say. <laughs> A view on the chart has been going from left to right for the last week. Uh, is that long enough? Piedmont Lithium, um, um, uh, lithium producer here in Australia, um, really grabbed the headlines this week because it's done a deal uh, with Tesla in the United States to supply lithium for their for their batteries. Um, and as always here on Ausbiz, we talk to the chief executives when anything newsworthy comes out. And of course, we caught up with Piedmont's chief executive, 
just a day or two ago. Here's a bit of what he had to say. Uh, the agreement will represent probably only 10 to 20% of our sales, uh, but it's a, an important third-party validation for our project. And it's the first uh, offtake agreement we've signed with anybody. Uh, we've had strong relationships with um, a number of parties uh, in the battery business, in the cathode business, in the automotive business. Uh, obviously, we're, we have an American project. Tesla is an American company. We're very pleased to sign our first offtake agreement with them and hope to have more to come. Uh, Carl, what a validation for, a, uh, for somebody like Keith Phillips there and, uh, and Piedmont Lithium to, to uh, get Tesla as a customer. What do you think of the stock? It's had a big run. Yeah, uh, it has had an incredible run. So from under 10 cents up to 45, uh, pulling back now around about 30 cents as we're speaking. Um, but what a fascinating story. It must have been I hadn't heard about it um, until uh, even I saw it on the uh, on Ausbiz. So there you go, Ausbiz uh, alerting me to the, the opportunity here. Um, and looking at the chart, there really was nothing in the chart to suggest that we're going to get such an explosion. So the market wasn't really expecting this either. And often, you know, the charts in these in these more speculative end, uh, in this more speculative end of the market, the chart often reflects um, also the news uh, that's, that hasn't been released yet. Um, and they kept this one under wraps. So well done to the company for keeping this uh, away from the rumor mill. Um, but it is it is a, new, a really interesting company. So I've done a lot of digging into this in the last 24 hours on the back of um, uh, that Ausbiz interview. And, uh, you know, they've got about a $1.45 billion uh, net present value on that resource. It's about $2 billion worth of lithium hydroxide in the ground. Uh, so net present value of about... Uh, 1.45 billion. Uh, so it is significant. I don't have in my notes here the market cap of the company, but I'm guessing it's uh, it's not <laughs> not that big. Um, so you know, drawing the the line out now, it's a we're we're a long way. We're, well, we're so long way. We're, we're a couple of years out from them uh, actually producing anything and actually earning any money. But uh, when they do start earning money, they could have. Uh, revenues uh, of about 150 million dollars US per annum. Uh, just looking at my notes, so that's it's pre it's pretty significant. Um, and and to this Tesla is, is just a, it's about a third of what their production is going to be. Um, so a fascinating play. Uh, I do think you want to own it. The question is where do you want to own it? Uh, and looking at the chart, it's very difficult because of the vertical ascent. Uh, my 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 support levels aren't coming in until probably around about 20 cents. Right. Not sure if it'll get there, but if it does get there, I definitely think this is worth a punt. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael? Yeah, look, terrific story. Great yeah. validation for a tiny speculative company with, with, no, uh, yeah. with no revenues, really. So obviously, they've got a very good reserve. Um, the, the contract with Tesla is contingent on them being able to meet production targets by 2022. So there's yeah. a bit of work there to do for the business. They've obviously got a very good resource it's just a matter now of getting that out of the ground uh, and getting it out of the ground at a good price so they've got to make sure they keep their cost of production under control in order to supply tesla that that agreed amount which will be about a third of their production per annum uh, and a big chunk of, of revenues as well so good business um, in, in that they've got a good resource they've just now got to execute um, and do the next step in the process which is the commercialization of that resource yep there's also discussion from management of taking the form of lithium that they extract from the ground and then converting that into lithium hydroxide, which is a bit of a process, goes through some sort oh. of alkyne, okay. uh, alkyne um, so no, chemical process. Not just silver, so not rocks, just pure. Just do a process along the way. That's right. So add a value. bit of a value yeah. add process as well. 
that might just be pie in the sky yeah. sort of stuff at the moment, but it, it is a twinkle in the eye of management and that is one of their stated desires <laughs> right. to sort of diversify the earnings stream somewhat away from being a pure cyclical miner. Right, okay. So, um, Koshi, not sure, not sure if you can hear me, Koshi, but... Um, yeah, it's it, not sure. Just uh, an interesting thing, uh, a stat that I read was that uh, China produces about 83% currently of um, lithium hydroxide. So obviously it's a key component in electric vehicle batteries. That's that's why we're talking about this. Yeah. Um, so we know there's problems with the US and China. And if China's responsible for 83% for 83 of production, global production, this is a US-based uh, mine that we've that been talking about here. So it's based in, um, was it Pennsylvania or something like that? Um, it's close to um, GM, it's close to Nissan plants, Ford plants. Uh, it, it, it is perfectly placed if there are problems in the future with, uh, you know, US-China relations to, to then supply yeah, okay. that US demand. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Right. So, Carl, you'd, you'd buy it around 20 cents, just as a bit of a punt? Um, Look, I, I, have to, I have to watch the price section. If it got to 20 cents, that, that's what my chart is saying, where there's going to be some support. But okay. it, it might not get there because it looks pr it's pretty hot at the moment. We know yeah. the market we're in. The market's yeah. rewarding these really topical stocks. So um, I think you want to, want to just watch it. You know, it's going to pull back. And then when you start to see it rise okay. again, try and buy it on the rise. Uh, Michael, what's your view on it? Oh, look, I couldn't buy it just because it's a bit too speculative still yep. for, for my clients um, and a bit too small at this point. But as far as lithium miners go, this one has some good prospects and seems quite exciting. Yeah. All right. Um, very diplomatic there. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> we get the message. Um, our next stock, uh, Hussain, uh, what's a view, uh, Michael, on Bitmakers Technology. Um, this is a, a tech business, but uh, providing data and analytics for the wagering market um, for horse racing in uh, Australia, the UK, United States. Interesting yeah, so little business. Yeah, this is a business we actually hold for a few clients. It's obviously, again, a bit more speculative in nature, but an emerging tech business that has established relationships in the sports betting and mainly racing markets. Yeah. Uh, effectively, there's two components to the company. There's the sort of wholesale business, which provides data, um, you know, trainer statistics, jockey statistic oh, yeah. comments yeah. to all the big betting, sports betting companies around the world. You know, your sports betting, your your um, William Hill, these sorts of companies. So they've okay. got these good contracts in place for these companies to basically provide them with, with data. And then the second component um, to the company is providing basically white labels, um, betting platforms to on-course bookmakers. Um, oh. So that's a growing part of their business as so, well. So it's B2B. Business and to business. They're just behind is, the scenes. Right. Okay. Their revenue and, and contracts are somewhat linked to the, the success of the sports betting company. So the more right. people bet, uh, the greater volumes that go through, the better it is for bet makers. But ultimately, they are one step removed from the front line, if you like, and they are business to business. And they are pretty dominant in Australia. They're looking to expand into the US as well. And they've had some early success there. They're the, the sole um, you know, platform provider to one of the big um, race courses over there, which the name eludes me at the moment. They've also got a similar arrangement with the New Jersey race course. So it's backed by uh, the Waterhouse family, um, right. and they did very well off it initially. There's still big shareholders in it. A lot of the insiders have a lot of racing knowledge, and we think it's a business that has some good prospects going forward, a good recurring revenue stream to okay. feed them as well. Oh, interesting. So you'd be a 
We're, we're a buyer of it. I mean, maybe yeah. these prices have run up a little bit, but we're happy to buy it from a long-term okay. perspective. Right. Um, it's also got an arrangement in place with PointsBet, and PointsBet's obviously been in the news a lot yes. recently. So effectively, BetMakers provides a lot of the back-end data and information that goes into the PointsBet platform. So any oh. success of PointsBet indirectly feeds through to the success okay. of BetMakers, and that goes the same for all the other sports betting companies business. as well. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Carl? Uh, this is a very similar model, but we're you know we're selling services to a, a rapidly growing area of the market, which is wagering, uh, and they do some of that sort of e-wagering as well on uh, fantasy sports. So that's um, obviously a rapidly growing market. So you know, total addressable market is large. The market's growing. Um, it's you know it, it's close. It's there or thereabouts in terms of being uh, cash flow positive and starting to make profits. And that's typically uh, when I'd like to become involved in these uh, sorts of growth plays. Um, the growth is good, but the valuation um, is still not there. So even um, when it does deliver its uh, maiden profit, likely in FY21, uh, we're, we're going to be um, you know, close to a triple-digit PE. So you are taking a little bit of leap of faith that that growth will continue. It will, it will sustain uh, itself at a high level to bring down that PE and therefore reduce your payback period. Um, so that's what I'd say in the fundamentals. Incidentally, I should mention, I might have said Pennsylvania, on uh, for the operation for P Piedmont Lithium. It's in North Carolina, so right. I don't think I was even close on that one. <laughs> uh, look, look, I reckon 99% of us wouldn't even know how close, <laughs> but thank you for the detail on that. You're a details man, Carl. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, the de the so no on bet makers? Uh, look, the, the detail on the chart is, it, look, it's definitely in a, in a nice uptrend uh, in the long term. The short-term trend has pulled back a little bit. Um, it's a bit disappointing in that, that regard because it actually looked like it was really going to get going there once it broke through 55. Um, it's at the bottom of a trading range. If you believe in the stock, this is the price to, to buy it at. So I'd be happy to buy it around here on that basis. Okay. Um, if you're a bit more of a momentum trader, then you'd be looking uh, for it to maybe move back through 50 cents before you got right. involved. Okay. We had just on that, that gaming area, I, I love little companies with great technology. Um, on the Startup Daily show the other day was the founder of Picklebet. And they're doing, they're not listed, so they're doing a, yeah. a private raise at the moment. It's one of only three companies to have a gaming license for esports. Really? Um, and the numbers on esports just blew me away listening to this or watching this interview. It's extraordinary. So, wagering on esports, you know. Um, um, these competitions where teams play Fortnite yeah. against each other or Tour of Duty or some of those yeah. things. It puts some Australian sports to shame in oh. terms of the amount of money that's at stake in it's some of these things. Just amazing. Blew me away. Anyhow. All right, let's move on um, to our, our next stock. Danielle uh, Carl wants a view on Elmo Software, uh, tech business, software business, but basically in that HR payroll rostering area for... Um, organisations uh, for big business? Yeah, very, very interesting one, very curious one. Uh, must have been I hadn't heard of this one either, so and that's why I like coming on the show because uh, often I'll, I'll find some really interesting companies to go and do some further research on. Um, look, it's a, you know, it's a software as a service business. They're into uh, HR, um, great growth numbers. Um, just looking at my notes here, you know, 20 odd percent in the last uh, financial year. Um, it's subscription-based model, 97% subscription-based, um, great customer retention, great growth in, in customers, um, incredible margins, 
you know, tick, 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 tick. Everything looks fantastic. It's not making money, though, and that's that's probably my only problem with the stock. Um, whilst it is uh, cash flow positive, the underlying business is cash flow positive, it's still very much a research and development focused business. So um, it's about half of their half of their um, expenses going to R&D. Um, you know, at some stage, I guess that might back out. Um, and, and we'll see some you know, actual underlying profits um, coming through uh, from the business. It's one of those where I, I can't explain it. The technicals don't uh, match the fundamentals. The, the, the fundamentals look pretty sound and pretty solid, but the technicals look pretty awful. So I'm seeing a, a very well-defined short-term uptrend, those lower peaks, lower troughs. Every time it rallies, it's get, it gets beaten down a little bit more than, than last time. Uh, Long-term trends are down. Uh, it, it, it looks like it's under quite a bit of pressure here. Uh, and unless it can sort of hold around current levels, it could move down to sort of, you know, four or high threes. Um, so I, I can't be a buyer uh, from uh, from that perspective. I, I think it's definitely one I will keep on my watch list and I'll be looking for stabilisation of this downtrend uh, and then maybe a little upturn in some momentum before I get involved. But a very interesting right. stock. All right. Michael? Uh, this is one I've been going on about for about a year and a half, two years on in the articles and on this show and on yeah. other shows as well. And it's just never quite taken off. So hopefully it does something sooner than later because <laughs> I've definitely put my name on the line with this one. Right. Uh, it, look, it's a, it seems like a very good quality tech business. Um, it's involved in HR, rostering, these sorts of services. And it's a, basically a cloud platform that businesses can use. Yep. Um, and essentially any small, medium, large businesses, a potential customer of theirs, they pre-announce their results prior to the earnings uh, in August. And basically those results were in line with expectations. They even upgraded their, their earnings forecast leading into the results. But for whatever reason, the market was, was disappointed and it's basically been in a short-term downtrend ever since. Um, some of their key headline numbers, such as customer retention, although it's still very good, it deteriorated a little bit. Gross margins fell, for instance. Um, average revenue per customer dropped a tiny bit as well. But that was probably due to the COVID situation. Um, companies looking to cut their costs as much as possible in certain situations. But all that negativity was more than offset by new customer growth numbers, which was up 25% or so. They've been seeing good growth in revenues. All the cash flows and all that sort of stuff was looking very good as well. So this is one we're happy to stick with for the long term. We think there's some good good value there. They've got all the key traits that you're looking for in a fast growing tech business. Um, the management have been involved with the business since the beginning, so founder involvement. There's not many competitors out there in the market that have the same access to capital that Elmo has. Elmo completed a capital raising only a matter of a couple of months ago, so they're very well capitalized, which gives them the opportunity to go out and acquire and bolt on different businesses should they wish uh, at a time when many of their competitors are probably starved of cash. So. We think they're in a pretty good position long term and they'll probably come out of this period in a stronger position than many of their peers. So okay. from my perspective, it's a, a buy. It's a good buy at these levels. All right. Our fifth stock, uh, Charlie wants a view, Michael, on Fodslock um, Environmental Technologies. Uh, this is a, basically a, a water treatment business for uh, polluted water. Um, have had lots of contracts in, in China going forward. Um, some of the uh, founders of um, Equity Link, I think, really? were in there um, uh, originally, the, the old big funds management group. Uh, what do you think of Foslock? Look, it seems like it's a, a good business, but yeah. they've had a couple of issues in China. They had an issue with some flooding in one of their projects. 
Yep. Um, in Europe as well, some of their projects have been delayed. And, and the problem you get when there's a global recession going on, this is maybe a crude way to put it, but first world problems such as environmental yep. issues get pushed to the side uh, when people are focusing on just having a job or putting you know, a meal on the table. So that has meant that a lot of their projects have been delayed. Uh, and that's something that they think or management think will eventually be caught up. But the time frame on that is, is very uncertain at this point. So it makes it very difficult to predict what revenues are going to be like going yep. forward and when eventually this business might even transition to become profitable. So I think it's just in the too hard basket for now. Although it looks like it's had a big fall in the last 12 months, looking back over a five year period, it hasn't done too badly at all. Right. It's just giving up a lot of those gains and the positivity that was starting to be embedded into yep. the share price as they started to win all these contracts because their contract pipeline looks very, very good. It's just that much of those contracts pipelines being deferred indefinitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lawrence Friedman uh, is the chairman of it, um, uh, with, uh, who has a big equities background. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Foslock? Yeah, from a business perspective, it looks very interesting. Um, had their first profitable year last year in FY19, looking to continue that this year. Um, the chart is a conundrum. It, it looks horrific. Um, Short-term, long-term downtrends, uh, lower peaks, lower troughs. Uh, nothing in the volume to suggest that we have um, seen a sort of that, that big volume event that's come in to stamp out that low just yet. Um, and, and the other problem with the chart is that it hasn't traded since the 17th of September because it's a trading halt on the back of, uh, quote-unquote, China accounting irregularities. Uh, audit investigation ongoing, and that's typically not a good sign. So it's a definite pass for me, even though you couldn't buy it now if you wanted to. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, let's uh, just recap the uh, the first five stocks, including our uh, stock of the day, which was Santos. After that uh, announcement of the, the Narrabri project, uh, a no from both Michael and Carl. Uh, Telstra, a no. Uh, Piedmont Lithium, the uh, the really hot stock of this week. Uh, a no from Michael because it is just too speculative. Uh, Carl's saying if you're interested in it um, uh, and the charts are showing if you can get it around that 20 cent level, um, uh, that's uh, pretty good going. Uh, Bitmakers Technology, a yes from both um, Michael and Carl. Uh, Elmo Software, Yes from Michael, a no from Carl, and Fozlock, a no as well. Um, here on the call, we sort of are tracking the calls portfolio. Any stocks that get two thumbs up by the panel uh, get put into our, let's call it an index, um, and see how it's going. Uh, today, Betmakers will be added to that. And if one of the stocks in the portfolio, the index come up again and doesn't, still get the unanimous uh, tick of approval, it goes out of the portfolio. Just uh, an indication, a bit of fun, fantasy investing or fantasy trading, if you like. Um, you've got to keep watching charts and information for stocks. Last week, uh, uh, the return is up 2.5%. For the month, it's up 1.25%. And for the year from um, July 1, is up 10.5%. Uh, if we take a look at some of the... Um, um, the stocks that have been listed or added to the portfolio over the last week or two, Simic Group, um, Battery Tech and Lithium ETF, which will get a boost for, on, the, on the back of, uh, uh, of Piedmont, uh, Altium, Sydney Airport and Afterpay, 
Uh, Fortescue was cut out of the portfolio, um, taking some profits there. You can check all the stocks in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co slash portfolio and we'll check on how it's going every day. Uh, coming up in the ne- next hour on Ausbiz, the Chief Executive of Paradigm Pharmaceuticals, uh, Paul Rennie joins us as the company extends an exclusive supply agreement uh, with Benny Pharmaceuticals. Uh, that is at 1.30 this afternoon. All right, let's get into uh, the second half of the call, our sixth stock. Um, and Carl, A2 Milk, one of the, uh, the darlings of the market, but in recent times has uh, underperformed the market, taken a bit of a hit. Um, it's in infant formula, particularly into, uh, into China. Powdered milk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it was an amazing growth story on the way up. It's certainly a stock that we had uh, lots of buying out notes on um, uh, over the last sort of uh, twelve months. Um, it switched trends. I'm going to say in August, it just turned down on the um, on the charts there. So we haven't had any buy notes um, since then. Uh, it's had a, a pretty significant fall. So from about twenty dollars, and it's um, close to fourteen today. Uh, I guess the million-dollar question is um, that I'm sure viewers want to want to know is where, where do I buy it? Where's the bargain price? So um, there's a key level at 13.75. We're not far away from it. Um, that also coincides with a major, major multi-year trend um, point coming in around about that 13.80, 14 oh. level. So it's really, really close to a key support level. Um, so I definitely want to see how it trades around there. So I'm not one to catch the, the proverbial falling knife. I don't want to just buy it as it's hitting that level. I want to see it hit that level and hold that level. I want to see potentially some volume come in there at that level as well. Um, so you get that exhaustion of the sellers being absorbed by the long-term uh, value buyers as they come in around that potential um, buy point. So if we can see it hit that level, bounce off that level, uh, then I'd be interested to buy as a speculative. So this is what I would call a speculative buy because the trend um, clearly is going against uh, the potential trade. Uh, the reasons for it, I'm sure Michael will be able to extrapolate more on the fundamentals, but long story short, we're having uh, some issues with their Daigu um, sales uh, as um, Victorian lockta- lockdowns have impacted on that. We're expecting about a 53% um, reduction in revenues over the, on the first half FY21, but probably down to about 10% FY22. The big question will be whether that can resume um, you know, can all, we can get, get back to normal. Um, you don't have to get completely back to normal for it to be a good buy down here, just a, a version of that. And it's mm. probably still worth buying, I think, at these levels. Yeah. Uh, Michael, those Chinese trade wars, uh, does, doesn't China-Australia trade war doesn't help stocks like this, does it? Not at all. And the lack of travel and the ability to yeah. come to Australia, stock up your suitcases, take yeah. that back to China. That was that grey market that was really yeah. propelling Blackmores as well and, as and Chinese Mark. students and that too studying here and and their back. their side hustle was to yeah. buy all this and ship it back. Well, wasn't I think it? I think at one point <laughs> an A2 milk tin because it was getting filled up with like invitation product, which is one of the issues that was there. I think wow. could sell an A2 milk tin for X amount of dollars, which was ridiculous in yeah. China. But yeah. anyway, back to the, the question about A2 milk. Look, it's a business that I've had clients in in the past, and we did very very well off it yep. sort of 2017 2018 got pretty expensive so I don't have many clients in it at, at the moment there might be a few people that have decided to hold on for whatever reason um, but as it starts to pull back and retrace it starts to come back on the radar as a potential buy um, for now I'll probably just sit on my hands and let it unfold because the most recent report 
was okay, but it was a bit mixed. Some of the, the drivers weren't the kind of drivers that you want to be driving your earnings, yeah. such as currency and one-off issues like that. Um, their margins have been under pressure as well um, in, in recent times. The, the revenue has been falling. There's been a lot of resurgent um, infant milk formula providers in China who have had a big marketing campaign of late. Um, A2 Milk's tried to counter that as well with their own marketing campaign, but you don't want to see your revenue coming off when you're spending so much money mm. on marketing. So you want to see the company probably address that in their next quarterly update, whenever that might be, just to show that they are back on the right track. Um, they also did run up, this doesn't really affect revenue, but they ran up inventory levels during COVID as well, just to make sure they had enough supply on hand so they didn't face any supply issues that again has eroded their margins a little bit. Right. You want to make sure that they start to get on top of that again and start to wear some of that inventory down. Um, but all in all, it's a, a very good quality company. It's been a, a very good marketer. Um, but at this point in time, it's looking a lot more attractive, but I'll wait and see just to make sure things are starting to yep. turn around whenever that might be. Okay. All right, Linda, thanks for uh, suggesting A2, A2 Milk. Um, Michael Taddy wants a view on Sigma Healthcare. This is the wholesaler and uh, distributor of, uh, of goods to, uh, to pharmacy chains, basically like uh, uh, MCAL, Guardian, PharmaSafe, Chemist King, Discount Drugstore. Um, Sigma Healthcare provides them with, with a lot of their, uh, their inventory. Um, yeah, so they had a big contract uh, with Chemist Warehouse. Yeah. They partially reduced that contract or lost half of that contract. And that ended up actually being a positive for the company. Uh, enabled them to shore up their balance sheet a bit, sell down some of their warehouses and lease back the ones that they mm -hmm. needed to continue to use. Um, they've got still a contract with Chemist Warehouse for fast moving consumer goods, whatever that means exactly. Yeah. Um, but they still do have a contract in place with Chemist Warehouse, just not to the same extent that they had in the past, but it's actually ended up being a positive for them. Yeah. They've obviously got their own brands as well, such as that Amcal, which have been doing okay. But from my perspective, it's a tough business because it's such a low margin business. I mean, the gross margin, the net profit margin are very, very low. Uh, and if anything goes wrong or you lose a key contract, it, it can very quickly wipe out those earnings. So from my perspective, it reduces the quality of a company like right. that for that reason. But there's no doubt that there's um, a structural shift going on and the structural boom going on in pharmaceuticals, the regulations becoming a bit more relaxed as well. Um, but the prices are also under pressure as well from government when it comes to the PDS, etc. So there's a couple of factors working against them at the moment. So for that reason, I'm a, a no-go on this, despite the fact that their balance sheet's improved. Right. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, I agree on the fundamentals. There's some improvement there. There's a big restructure program underway, uh, and we're starting to see some green shoots of, um, of that impact into uh, earnings growth. Um, I mentioned earlier in the show, however, I like to see, you know, consistent earnings growth over a number of years. And, and this, it's almost a notorious underperformer in that regard. Uh, very lumpy, sometimes it grows, sometimes it shrinks. And for me, that kind of comes back to either the industry or management, or it could be a combination of both. So um, it's, it's, it's not one of those that are ticking the boxes and the fundamentals. And it's great you just put the chart up because the chart really reflects uh, that, uh, that, that underlying picture. It's, it's pretty much gonna trade right now where it was about 12 months ago. And if you, you zoom out, it's, it's a similar story. So uh, fundamentals matching the, the technicals and neither of them are that compelling at this point. Okay. All right. Thank you, Taddy, for that suggestion. Uh, Carl, Steph wants a view on AUB Group. Now, this is a, 
one of those insurance roll-up um, stocks, insurance brokers, uh, all coming together, a bit like Steadfast is. Uh, would that be a fair comparison? Is is another one in this sector, Carl? Um, has half a million clients, uh, uh, network of 93 businesses throughout, throughout Australia. What do you reckon of AUB? Yeah, look, uh, you mean, yeah, he's kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of um, other business or smaller businesses, but that's because yep. that's what these guys are good at. They, they buy businesses, they bolt them on, they, they squeeze more out of them, um, they, you know, absorb um, synergies and, and, and reduce costs. So um, great track records. Um, so we talked about a, a nice track record in, in earnings, uh, and this one definitely has that. So consistently growing earnings uh, for about the last decade, um, you know, sort of um, low double-digit uh, growth. Um, so, so again, either the industry is um, fantastic or management is just really good. Uh, and I think it's it maybe a combination of both, but probably more of the latter there. So it's um, it's a story I do like. Um, the chart definitely ref reflects that. So again, the, the technicals reflecting the fundamentals are fantastic underlying uh, trends, short-term, long-term trends. Um, a little bit of congestion around here, this sort of 16, 17 level, but I think once we can move through that um, I'd be happy to buy. I did, I did put a buy note out on this last week. I can't remember the exact day, so uh, we're on record as calling this a buy. Okay. Uh, Michael? Yeah, um, Ausbrokers. Um, is it not Ausbrokers? It's AUB, sorry. AUB, yeah. Something else. I, think it used yeah. To, it, I think it used to be Ausbrokers. Yeah, something like yeah. that. But um, basically, these guys uh, and Steadfast are the two yeah. big insurance brokers in the country, control about 40% of the market share. Uh, and the industry economics have been improving significantly in the last sort of oh. 12, 18 months. Uh, premiums across the industry have been going up, and that's really the first time in a long time. There was a lot of competition there going back a few years by foreign entrants coming into the market. They've since packed up their bags and left, and it's allowed premiums to gravitate, not only in Australia, but around the world. So that's really helping because they generate revenue from commissions, but also an ongoing service fee which is a percentage of gross written premiums. So right. as premiums go up, their revenue tends to go up as well. Um, it's much of a muchness between Steadfast and AUB. Our preference is slightly more for, for SDF, so Steadfast, right. because yep. the valuation's pretty much the same, but their earnings are growing a lot more, a lot quicker, or not a lot quicker, but a bit quicker. Um, but I'm happy to put a buy on this one as well, because right. I think that those tailwinds will continue to unfold for them uh, in the coming months and probably year to come. Mm. So. Okay. Customers tend to be very, very sticky. Their size and their scale helps them grow organically because it attracts more and more small brokerages to the network. And they can also grow through bolt-on acquisitions. Essentially, you acquire a privately run insurance broker for three, four times earnings, and then you've been incorporated into your own business model, and that's reflected on the market at 20 times earnings or whatever right. it may be. So right. they've got a good business model in mm. place. They've been executing well, uh, and I like that industry dynamic at the moment because we don't like insurance companies, but we prefer the insurance brokers because it's a oh, bit more certainty in earnings there, we think. Yeah, and you don't take on the, on the risk. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Um, Michael, uh, Chris wants a view on Pointera. Um, this is uh, a, they say, uh, 3D, 3D uh, geospatial data technology. They are, that basically is good for the property industry or uh, quantity surveyors or architects because it gives you a, a size of perspective in buildings and, and construction works. Yeah. Um, Pointera um, was just plodding away until a bloke called Bevan Slattery <laughs> decided to invest two and a half million dollars into it. 
Bevan Slattery is the, the guy behind Next DC and a whole bunch of others. Yeah. So he's a, a great tech investor. And um, uh, Pointera has all of a sudden sort of come of age as a result of it. Yeah, look, my, my usual partner in crime on the Ausbiz panel, um, Strawman, yeah, yeah. got me onto this one. And it's been an incredible performer. I don't, I'm not in it. I don't have any clients in it because right. I think it's very expensive. I think it's over 50 times Earnings. forecasted revenue Re for well, the next 12 not months. Not earnings, That's what revenue. it's trading on at the moment. Right. It's a very interesting business. They've got a, a technology like laser point technology, which basically can be set up within a, a room and then create like a 3D image. Um, and these images normally operate on extremely large numbers of terabytes and all that sort of stuff. And it's very yeah. difficult to store, very difficult to manipulate or share with your colleagues through this Pointera platform, it enables you to do all those things very easily. Mm. You can access these images on any device, even I think mobile phones. So oh. it's um, a very good business. It's got some very good prospects, but the valuation is nosebleed. I mean, it's a company that operates with, I think about 10 staff or so at the moment. Right. They've growing their contract numbers. However, the next step for this business is going to be to be able to scale, increase their headcount and start to deliver on these contracts. Um, even still, I think they're their forecast contract size is closer to about $4 million. So when you think about that, considering wow. the current valuation, yeah. there's a bit of yeah. a disconnect emerging. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of addressable markets. The military is very interested in this sort of technology, as well as the building and construction industry. Um, it's just a, a situation where the valuation, in, in my view, is unhinged from the reality at the moment. Right. Okay. Uh, Carl? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Bevan Slattery, his entry, entry price is 5.4 cents. Uh, so he's got a 10-bagger at the moment. Now, investors, uh, viewers want to know, where, where's their 10-bagger? Is there still a 10-bagger left on the table? Is it going to be a $5 stock? Uh, look, maybe, maybe it is. Uh, as Michael said, it's a really um, a great product. It's a great product. Very few competitors in the space that uh, can do what these guys do. So at the moment... Um, they really are the go-to, um, you know, very stable sort of customer base, a lot of utilities, miners, um, largely unaffected by COVID, uh, revenues growing incredibly. They're going to be cash flow positive in, um, actually, they just announced they had their first cash flow qu uh, positive quarter. Um, mm. So expecting on the current run rate to be cash flow positive for FY21. Again, I said, that's when I like to get involved in businesses. So right. we're through that R&D stage, we're, we're through proving our product and getting customers and the money's starting to come in and we're starting to make profit. So yeah, look, valuations uh, aside, let's look at the, let's forget valuations. Who needs valuations? Let's look at the chart and the chart is heading in the right direction, isn't it? So um, it's, it's a stock I've been following for a while and just haven't been able to put a buy note out on because it just never pulled back to where I want it to. But today it's come back to a level which I like around about 50 cents. So yeah. look, I, 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 I have to go on record and call it a buy from this level. But mm -hmm. um, if you follow if you follow my notes, uh, I put them out during the week. Here's a plug for Think Markets. Go to the website. It's free to look at my buy notes or my sell notes or whatever. Um, but I will follow this up and I will give you the exact entry point because I just want to see how it responds at this level. And if I see a little bit of a, a bit, bit more momentum coming in around this 50 cent level, then I will put a buy now buy note out on this next week so okay. stay tuned yeah oh. i think when i first heard of it it was 30 cents and i said the exact same thing and i think yep. about a week later it was at 65 cents or something <laughs> so it's come back a little bit and this look who knows where this ends up it could well yeah, yeah. be uh, double this in, a, in two weeks time or something yep. all right our final stock uh 
uh, Carl Grange Resources. It's a uh, iron ore miner, but in the pellet production, um, and uh, located in the northwest of uh, northwest of Tasmania, Savage River and yeah. South Down Project. Yeah, about the only iron ore stock that hasn't gone up uh, yeah. in the last uh, significantly. You know, it's it's an interesting one. It's it's not a, a very low cost producer, so it's a bit more of an, a marginal producer than your, your BHPs, your Rios, and and your Fortescues. So you can't yeah. lump Grange in that basket. Having said that, you know, production numbers on the rise. Um, you know, earnings on the rise. They pay a dividend. They've maintained their dividend in the past twelve months. So it's got uh, some silly. Dividend yield 8.3% fully franked. Um, so hey, we talked about Telstra okay. early on. So here's 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 a here's one for the books. Sell your Telstra shares, which are yielding five and a half percent, and buy Grange, which is yielding eight eight and a half percent. Mate, look, maybe I'm being a bit silly there. They're very different risk <laughs> profiles. Um, but but look, I mean, looking at the the numbers, there's no reason why they can't continue to to pay that. Um, the, the the technicals aren't inspiring. It's not much of an uptrend. Um, it's not much of a downtrend. It's a little bit in the middle, which um, probably reflects the market's view of it. So um, if, if you are chasing yield, that's probably the way I would look at this one. Um, it's, it's weird to say that about a, a small miner, mm. I know, but it's, it's kind of the story of, of, of this stock at the moment. So again, um, extrapolate back to iron ore prices, et cetera, et cetera. And, and if you've heard me on this before, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on iron ore prices, at least remaining where they are. So. Uh, I, I don't want to go on record and call this one a buy, but it's for a specific type of investor that's looking for, for a specific type of um, uh, okay. you know, uh, upside. Sure. Michael? Look, he's got a pretty big following, this one, because it seems on paper to be such a compelling buy. I think it trades on a very low multiple, trades on a very high dividend. The iron ore price is going gangbusters. Well, so, ev everyone's saying all iron ore producers yeah. are at huge prices. Has the market forgotten this that's right and this is going to be the next fortescue and the answer is i don't think no. so <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think so either there's a reason yeah. there's a reason and it's, it's the iron ore pellets which is a slightly different to what mm. we're, we're used to that probably has something to do with it i probably yeah. have to go away and research this business a lot more than i have to yeah. to get to the bottom of why there's such a dichotomy in terms of valuation and yield yep um, the reality is it's only paying out a small percentage of their overall earnings is dividends. So dividends could be a lot higher still, yeah. but there's probably a reason as to why, um, and you'll have to go away and do your, your research right. to really sort of work it out. Um, and it probably has something to do with the type of iron ore that they're producing. Yeah. Uh, and there are different prices for different qualities and grades, and this is something the forest you had issues with in the past. So you want to get to the bottom and try and understand exactly what's driving that. Yep, okay. All right, so uh, a no for Grange there. Uh, let's just recap our final five stocks. Um, A2 Milk, which has been a darling of the market for so long. Um, it's, it's come down enough that both Michael and, and Carl are watching it. Um, Carl's saying, look, it, it's got a support on the charts of that $13.80 to $14. Now, if it gets down to that level and bounce, it keeps bouncing off it, that's a good thing. If it breaks through that level, it could get further down. So watch out for it. And as Carl was saying, he puts out notes on these on, on a daily basis. So follow Carl at Think Markets if you want to keep up to date with those. Um, Sigma Healthcare, uh, a no from both. Um, AUB, a yes from both uh, Carl and Michael. Um, Michael, out of the sector, would probably prefer Steadfast, but 
This is still good buying for AUB at this price. Pointera, a no from Michael, a yes from Carl, and a no from Grange Resources. So, uh, uh, Carl, to get your notes, just keep checking back at the Think Markets website, or can you sign yeah, up for notifications? Uh, no, you don't need to sign up. Uh, it's th right. thinkmarkets.com, uh, and then go to the news area, right. and you'll see all of my daily updates there. Okay, and um, Michael Medallion has information like that as well. Medallionfinancial.com.au. You can put your details in, get a free monthly report that we've been right. sending to clients um, and give you some ideas to think about. Oh, great. Terrific. All right. Michael Wayne um, and Carl Capaluinga. Uh, thanks for joining us, Carl. Good luck to the West Coast Eagles on the weekend. Take down those pies. Yeah, I think I think we will, Koshi. I'm pretty confident. Good luck tomorrow night as well. And yep. uh, we'll make a technical analyst out of you yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're teaching me well. Teaching me well. As I said before, little knowledge could be dangerous from me, though. All right. Uh, if you'd like to suggest any stocks for us to look at here, um, flick us an email at thecall.ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Also, a reminder, if you want to see all the stocks that are in the calls portfolio today, we've added uh, Betmakers and AUB. I think AUB was already in the calls portfolio. Uh, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to get a wrap up of what's been happening in the day in business and finance, you need to sign up to the COB, the daily newsletter that uh, Nadine and Scuddy put out. Uh, subscribe at ausbiz.co slash join. It's in your inbox at 5.30 every afternoon. Uh, Startup Daily Show um, is coming up between 2 and 3 today. They're joined by Colin Denver from deep tech company Speedex, uh, which is developing new ways to fight rapidly evolving superbugs. And uh, that's coming up on the Startup Daily Show between 2 and 3 and a lot more guests full of uh, startup founders and venture capitalists uh, looking at the unlisted part of the market and all the raisings going on there. Uh, so a lot ahead on Ausbiz. Uh, stick around to enjoy that. In the meantime, we'll be back with more of the call at midday tomorrow, Eastern. See you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.